Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. With a show of hands, <laughs> who here is a born-again Christian? <laughs> That's easy. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, if you're a born-again Christian, what does that mean? That means that... A long list. That's okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to answer my own question. Don't worry. <laughs> it means that Jesus lives on the inside of you, right? Through the Holy Spirit. Now, I have a question for you, and you have to answer this one honestly. Another question. So, does Jesus just live partially in you? No, that's the right answer, Pastor Ann. The answer is no, he doesn't. Go star. Go star. He doesn't live partially in you. When he came to live in you the moment you gave your life to Christ, the fullness of Jesus came into you. Now at that point, you probably didn't fully understand the fullness of Jesus that lives in you. But as you listen to sermons, you come to church, you come to, to um, classes like discipleship class, men's group, ladies group, uh, prayer time, anything like that. You listen to sermons online, you start to grow and you learn exactly what Jesus has placed, the fullness of what Jesus has placed on the inside of you, right? So we get to grow in that knowledge and understanding of exactly what Jesus has placed on the inside of you. This little bit has been stirring in me all morning. And then <laughs> Pastor Gwen and then Pastor Jason and then Pastor Ann got up and it's like, oh. <laughs> Actually, no, this isn't even my sermon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an appetizer. <laughs> the fullness of him is already on the inside of you. We don't have to wait for revival. We don't have to wait for a move of God. I am a move of God. I am a revival walking around each and every day wherever I go. Why? Because I have the fullness of the Godhead on the inside of me through the Holy Spirit. The fullness of Him. You have the fullness of him on the inside of you. There is nothing lacking when it comes to Jesus on the inside of you. He didn't forget to put a part of himself in you. He didn't decide, oh, I got to go and deal with somebody else. I'll get back to you. The moment you gave your life to Christ, the fullness of him is in you. The fullness of him is in you. You are a move of God wherever you gar go. <laughs> starting to speak in tongues now. 
You are a revival. You just have to let it out. Amen? Glory be to God. Glory be to God. <sighs> okay. Much better. Praise Jesus. So, the last three times that I've had the honor and privilege of being up here, I've been talking about pursuing God. And guess what? We're going to be talking about pursuing God again today. Hallelujah. This is part four of pursuing God. And it's called Make Way. Make Way. So this coming Wednesday, yep, um, this coming Wednesday is Remembrance Day. It's where we take time to remember those who have fallen and given our, their lives and served and are still alive so that we have the freedoms that we have today. We don't have a foreign flag flying over us because of sacrifices that people made in their lives, being away from their families, giving their entire life. I mention this every year. Um, most of you probably already know, maybe some don't. Um, I am blessed with a rich history of military service on the McKeever side of my family. My grandfather was a lieutenant commander in the Canadian Navy, and he was on the uh, Canadian naval ships that escorted um, merchant ships over to the European theater for the war and made sure that they got uh, safe passage to get all of the, the weaponry and the bullets and anything that was being made in North America, uh, in Canada. He made sure, he was part of the team that made sure that there was a way made for that to get across. Back in World War I, my great-great Uncle Andrew McKeever was, um, he was a decorated uh, World War I flying ace. He had, um, he, hold, he held the most uh, planes shot down for the type of plane that he was the pilot of. I talked a lot about that last year. There's actually, it's kind of cool, there, there's a legion named after him in Ontario, uh, and, and some city in Ontario. And um, there's actually a, a Wikipedia page about him um, and what he did and, and his crew and, and everything that they, that they did in World War I. Um, I give glory to God for things like that. It's because of men and women like that that made the way for us to live in freedom. Just the same way that Jesus made the way for us to live in freedom. Amen? Yeah. Now, I want you to think about all aspects of our armed forces. Okay, so we have the Navy. We have the Air Force. And we have the Army. Those are the three basic core services of our military in Canada. We also have special services. Um, I can't remember exactly what, it's, what they're called in Canada. In, in the United States, it would be like the Navy SEALs. 
um, but we have a similar special services that um, are still very active. At one time, we had airborne as well, the airborne regiment as well. Uh, those are the people that parachuted out of planes into uh, basically in behind em enemy lines and things like that. So I want you to think, well, think specifically about World War II. So the goal in World War II was to basically take back all of the ground that the enemy forces had taken in the European theater. They were on the verge of basically coming across the channel to England to take over England when D-Day happened. That's how serious it, it was. Um, and there were a lot of people that made way. So the focus was the army. The army had to get onto those beaches at Normandy in France in a way that they weren't detected and that they could surprise all of the enemy forces that were lined up along that beach to try and protect that beach. So the army didn't just get up one day and decide to go over there. <laughs> there was a whole lot of work involved in making sure that that advancement was going to be successful. So let's think about that. So we have the Canadian Navy. They made sure that everything that was being made, all the supplies, food, military supplies, like I mentioned, like my grandfather did, made sure that those supplies got over to England, which was the base, which that was kind of ground zero for the Allied troops to be um, where they were sent from into the European theater to fight this World War II. So in the Navy, you had destroyers, you had frigates, you had submarines, you had all of these different parts. And they were there to make way for those supplies to get over to England. Okay? Now let's think about the Air Force. Now, the Canadian Air Force basically moved all of its, the majority of its, its um, tactical planes and everything like that over to England so that they could be part of the Royal Air Force because really if they were based here they wouldn't they wouldn't be of any use. So the planes would then come in and they would try to protect areas and take out gunning uh, establishments of the enemy forces so that it was safer for our army to be able to take those beaches and to take that ground that they needed to take. They were making way for what was needed to happen. They were part of that effort, that, that combined effort to make way for what was needed to happen. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Airborne. Airborne would come in and they would, they would come and they would parachute in, to, in behind enemy lines to try and surprise the enemy forces and again take out these these establishment these established um, pockets of enemies again to make way for our allied army to be able to take the ground that they needed to take to advance like they needed to advance everybody in the allied army worked together to make way 
for the ultimate goal to take back the European 30, um, European theater from the enemy forces. They made a way. They worked and made a way for that victory to happen. Let's think about the Old Testament. Think about David. David fought a lot of wars. What did David do before he went to war? Almost all the time. There was maybe a couple of times where he <laughs> didn't, and it didn't go well with him. <laughs> he sought the Lord. He sought the Lord. He sought the Lord before he went to war. And the Lord made way for him. The Lord made a way for him to be victorious any time that he went. There were a lot of times where the Lord said, yep, just grab your men and go. You're going to be victorious. No problem. Go in and you're going to be victorious. You're going to take the enemy that you have, the, usually the Philistines, that had, that had come up against Israel. There was the odd time where David went to the Lord. The Philistines are coming again. We have to go to war. What do you want me to do? And you would think that it would be, oh, yeah, just go and do the same thing. And, be, and you, you, there's the tendency for us to stop going to the Lord. It's like, well, we've done it this way for the last six times, so let's just go and do that. But we need to be going to the Lord. Because he is the one that makes the way. He is the one that makes the way. In David's situation, there was one time where God said, no, don't go like I've normally told you. Go and wait. And when you hear the wind going through the mulberry bushes, then you have to go do this, this, and this. And you will be, and you will be successful. You will be victorious in that situation. Think about Abraham and Isaac. God told Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice your son, who I've already said is going to be, it's the seed for many nations. It was the only son that him and Sarah had. And so Abraham said, okay, Lord. And he gathered the wood and everything that he needed for the altar and he went out with the donkeys and with some servants, and they went to the mountain that the Lord told them to go. And as they're going up the mountain, Isaac says to Abraham, um, hey, Dad, so where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, he hasn't talked to God about this. All God has said to him is, you're going to go and sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham says, God will make a way. God will provide. He does. He makes a way.
Oh, Lord, you make a way. You always make a way, Lord. Abraham went in faith, had Isaac on the altar, and God made a way, brought that ram out of the thicket right there, and they were able to slaughter him and put him on the altar. He made a way. God always makes a way. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were doing what God had told them to do. They were honoring God. And they would not honor. Now, for those of you who are old enough, what's going through my head right now is Shaq, Rack, and Benny and the Big Bunny. <laughs> and I have to remember to use the actual biblical references. <laughs> Veggie Tales, if you're wondering. You can probably find it on YouTube. Um, if you... King Nebuchadnezzar had made this big, huge idol, basically, of himself, and he wanted everybody to bow down and worship it, right? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not do it. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar liked them and said, look, I'll give you another chance. Let's try this again, one more time. (laughs) And they would not bow down to it. They would only bow their knee to their Lord. So as, as the story goes in the Bible, basically Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, crank up the heat. We're going to go seven times hotter and throw them in that's because that's what I said. They're going to die. And so he threw them in to this furnace that was so hot that the people that threw them in, basically they died. And so Nebuchadnezzar is looking in the hole of the furnace where it's seven times hotter than it normally is. And he says, wait a second. Hey, come here, come here. Can you see that in there? Can you see that in there? No, I put three people in there. But I'm sure I'm seeing four. I'm seeing four in there. And you know what? He looks kind of like the Son of Man. God makes a way. God makes a way. He makes a way for us. They did not even have one little hair on their head singed. And they walked out of there completely fine. (laughs) What did you say, Pastor Ann? Yeah, with a story. (laughs) I got a story to tell you. But God made the way. He was right there with them. He made the way. So, now let's go move to the new covenant. To the covenant that we live in day by day. Where were that move of God that I was talking about? Let's go to Matthew 6. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 25. 
Now, as you're flipping there, remember, we're talking about pursuing God. Pursuing a relationship with him. Because he always makes the way. Right? Yes. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life. In the Amplified it says, therefore I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, (laughs) which means anxious or worried about your life. Don't be perpetually uneasy about your life. Perpetually means you don't stop doing it. It just kind of happens and happens and happens and happens and rolls and rolls. It's kind of like a snowball rolling down a hill and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen? Take no thought for your life or what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Let me read that in the Amplified here. Therefore I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, which means anxious or worried about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life greater in quality than food and the body far above and more excellent than clothing? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just step out of that for a second. This set of verses changed my life. It helped me get focused on pursuing God. And I pray to God that you hear what he showed me in this. Verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. That's birds. Behold the birds of the air, for they sow not... Neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? In the Amplified it says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth much more than they? I'll answer that question for you. Yes. You are much more important to God than the birds of the air. They don't sow like we sow. They don't have to reap like we we reap. They don't have to store up things. God provides for them. God makes a way for them to live and to have food and to feed their babies every spring. He makes a way for them. Okay? Keep that thought. Verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And you're thinking, what? (laughs) What's a cubit? I don't want to look like a box. (laughs) Verse 27 in the Amplified says, And who of you, by worrying and being anxious... Remember that perpetually uneasy? We're talking about it again. And who of you, by worrying and being anxious, can add one unit of measure to his stature or to the span of his life? Basically what that's saying is, 
if you decide to worry about something, do you think it's going to make you grow taller? No? I, I was still growing when I was in my 20s. I grew another inch when I was around my late 20s, 21, somewhere in there. And I became six foot four. But there was a point where I stopped growing. Think about what, what is anxiousness and worry um, rooted in? Fear, that's right. Fear. When you're in fear, are you functioning in the fullness of what God has put in you? No, that's the right answer. Your brain actually physically, I'm not even talking spiritually right now, when you're in fear, your brain shuts down. It goes into flight or fight response. Even if you're not facing an enemy, you're facing that fear and it shuts your brain down. You can't think properly in any way, shape, or form. It inhibits you to be able to move forward. And although we're joking about it, it does actually stunt your life. It may not stunt your growth, but it stunts your life. The more time you spend in fear and that anxiousness and, and worry, it creates, creates undue stress in your life. God doesn't want that in there. He didn't make you for that. Mm. He made you for freedom. Oh, hallelujah. He made a way for you not to walk in fear. Amen. Galatians 5.1 says, um, I set you free for freedom's sake, or I set you free for liberty's sake. And then it goes on to say, so don't sit in the bondage of your past anymore. Don't sit in the bondage of that fear anymore. You are free because of what Jesus did. He made the way for you to be free so you don't have to stunt your growth in him. Amen? Oh, praise Jesus. Verse 28. And why take ye thought for any raiment? That's clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon, some say, even compared to the richest people in the world right now, was the richest person ever to live in the world. In the, if you were to take everything that he owned and put a value on it and bring it up to today's monetary value, he would eclipse anybody. They're like, you think about um, the oil barons in the Middle East and, and, and how much money they actually own and stuff like that. He would leave them in the dust. And the, so the reason it's saying that he... Um, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He had all the money that he needed to look the best that he could. To have the finest clothing, to have the finest haircuts, to have the finest anything you can think of. And it says here that 
we don't have to worry about our clothing and we have to just consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God makes the lilies of the field, makes the flowers more beautiful and more presentable than Solomon ever could with all of his money. Mm. Mm -hmm. He takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of the flowers. He takes care of all of those beautiful things and makes them look beautiful so that we can look on them and give glory to God. Amen? He makes a way. Verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He's going to make a way for you to be clothed. He's going to take care of this. You don't have to be concerned about this. You don't have to be worried about it. You don't have to shorten your life over God. Is God really going to take care of me? It may not look like it physically in front of you right now, but God will take care of you. He has already taken care of you because Jesus has already gone to the cross. Verse 31. Therefore, take no thought. Don't worry about it. Yeah, in the Amplified it says, Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, saying, What are we going to have to eat? Or what are we going to have to drink? Or what are we going to have to wear? Let's stop here for a second. What is this describing in our lives? Food, clothing. We could add shelter in there. It doesn't really talk about it, but we could add shelter. What, how would we define those things in our lives? Basic necessities, needs. So what is he, he's describing, God is describing right here, him taking care of our needs. He's taking care of our needs. And it just doesn't stop at our clothes and our food and our shelter. This is just an example Something to give you a picture of the fullness of God. If you have a need, he's already taken care of it. And we're going to see why in just a bit. But if you have a need, he has already taken care of it. Verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need. Ye have need of all of these things. He already knows you have need of all of these things. I was reading in Proverbs 8 this morning. And it's one of my favorite Proverbs because it, it takes wisdom, and wisdom starts talking like it's a person in it. 
and it talks about how wisdom was there, and it's, it, it's referring to the wisdom of God. It's not really the wisdom of God, because God is wisdom. So that wisdom, that principal wisdom that the that Proverbs talks about, it talks about how it was there before the earth was formed. It was there before um, all the valleys were formed and the seas had their boundaries and the mountains were there before the dust of the earth was formed. It was, it was there. It knew about you. The wisdom of God knows about you. It was there before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew the needs that you would have in your life before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew. And if he knew, he still knows. (laughs) God doesn't forget. He doesn't have a problem with memory loss. If he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb and he knew the needs that you were going to have through your life before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knows now those same needs. They are not a surprise to him. He knows every single one. And just like he's not just partially living in you, he's not going to just partially take care of them. He is a God of abundance. Ephesians 3.20. The God who does exceedingly and, and abundantly above all that I could ask or imagine. According to what? The power that is inside of us. That's still a good verse though, Bethany. But his abundance is according to the power that he has already placed on the inside of us. The fullness of the Godhead placed on the inside of us. The power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead placed on the inside of us is taking care of your needs every single day. Every single day. No lack. Mm. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm. Where did I get to? Have I read 33? Okay, there we go. Here we come. Verse 33. But, but, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When you're pursuing God, you just have to do that verse. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek him. Pursue him. Because he made the way. He's taking care of all of your needs. He made the way. You don't have to be concerned about them. He made the way so that you can focus on your relationship with him. You don't have to be concerned about them. Jesse Duplantis often talks about um, all the bills that he gets in his ministry. He's got a very large ministry, a worldwide ministry, and he'll get these. And there was a point in time where he was still believing for more money, and he would get mail with bills in it. 
and he would literally go with the mail, God, you got mail. And he'd lay it down. And that's the last that he would think about it because he knew that God took care of his needs and his purpose was to focus on his relationship with him because that's where he was supposed to be. That is where we are supposed to live. That is where we are supposed to occupy our relationship with him because he has taken care of all of those needs. I know everybody's sitting there thinking about the needs that they see in their lives right now. He's taking care of it right now. It's already done because he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Taken care of. Taken care of. It is taken care of. You can focus and pursue him. Just like all of the needs of the army in World War II were taken care of by all the other aspects of the military. All of the supplies that they need, they were taken care of. They were made way. It was made way for them to go and do the advancement and the job that they needed to do to take that territory in World War II. Take back that territory that the enemy had taken. Take territory. You don't have to be concerned about your needs. You focus on that relationship. He has territory for you to take. He has territory for this church to take. And he's made the way for you to take that territory. The enemy has no chance against us. Oh, glory to God. I'm having fun. I don't know about you. Praise Jesus. Verse 34 says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. That basically says, Don't worry about tomorrow. There we go. Hey, look at the Amplified. Here we go again. So So do not worry or be anxious. Perpetually uneasy about tomorrow for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own sufficient for each day is its own trouble don't worry about tomorrow 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 God's already taken care of tomorrow Remember what I said, if he knew your needs before you were in your mother's womb, he knows your needs now, and he knows your needs tomorrow, and he's taken care of them. Oh, hallelujah. We won't turn here, but uh, write this down, First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Humble yourself, Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
care is just another word for needs, concerns. Because if you're trying to hold on to your needs, you're caring about them. Right? You're caring about them. You're taking care of them. You're trying to nurture them and fix them and deal with them. And all of a sudden, you're focused on your needs and not on God. When God's just saying there, look, you know, if you just let go, you know. <laughs> Bethany, come here for a second. <laughs> Bring your Bible with you. I'm going to stand over here. So Bethany's Bible is her need, okay? And she has made the choice. I realize you don't do this all the time, okay? Or, or any other time, I should say. <laughs> You're still growing in the Lord, love. <laughs> All the time. So this is her need, right? And you're holding on to it. And you've not made the choice to give it to God yet. Yep, there you go. You've got the right stance. And God's like, hey, just, just let go of it. I, I've got this, really. I, I, I've got this. Just, just, just kind of give it to me. Let go. Come on. Just let go. I've, I've got it, really. I've got it. Remember, this is a need, and it says in there that right, we were just talking about Matthew 6. It says that it's a need, and I've got it. I can take care of it. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to take care of it all for you. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. The God of abundance wants to take care of your cares. Let me say that again. The God of abundance wants to take care of your cares. The God of more than enough wants to take care of your cares because he wants a relationship with you. He wants you pursuing, he wants, yeah, he wants you pursuing him. He wants you pursuing him. He made the way so that you don't have to be concerned about any of those things. The army in the World War II did not have to be concerned about whether they're going to get the supplies that they need because they knew that all the other branches of the, of the military were doing what they needed to do to get those supplies to them. Do you believe that God has done everything that he needed to do to take care of your needs? Do you believe that God has taken care of all of your cares? Even the little ones. No care is too small for him. No need is too small for him. I've mentioned this before in about our house. We had a list of things that we were believing for for our house. But again... God knew our needs before we even knew about that we were going to need this house. We were looking for this house. And we had our list, and every single box in that list was, was ticked. But he also knew the needs that we didn't even realize that we needed in that house. Let me say that again. He knew the needs that we didn't even realize that we needed in that house. And he provided them for us. We're so blessed by our house. And we give all the glory to God because of what he did there. 
and we, it's now our needs are taken care of there. It's like our sanctuary. It's our, our place where we can spend time with him. We can focus on our relationship with God because he's taken care. He's made the way for us to be settled there. Hallelujah. Turn to John 21. And we're going to be looking at verses 15 to 17. John 21, verses 15 to 17. Jesus told the disciples that he had to go to the cross. And Peter was like, no way, God. And Jesus was like, Yahweh. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> and Jesus said to Peter, <laughs> Jesus said to Peter, you know what? You're going to deny me three times before the, co the, the uh, cock crows. And Peter's like, I'd never do that. I'd never do that. But he did. He denied Jesus three times. People came up to him and said, hey, you were with him, weren't you? And he's like, no, no, I wasn't. Three times he did. And then the rooster crowed. And Peter wept bitterly. He had seen what he had done. He had denied Jesus, basically, at that point. He had denied knowing him, denied being with him. And he was despondent. He knew that he had done wrong there after he had done that. So he decided to go fishing. That's what he knew to do. He decided to go fishing. And so him and uh, the sons of Zebedee were out there fishing and a few other people, they were out there fishing. They, ironically, they were fishing all night and caught nothing. Identical to when Jesus first called Peter. I just noticed that last night as I was reading this. He'd been out there all night and had caught nothing. And they saw Jesus on the shore. And they were pretty sure that it was him. And so they were coming in and uh, Jesus said, 
Again, cast your net out on the other side of the boat. And they caught a ton of fish instantly. It's like all the fish were congregating in that one part of the lake or the sea. And they just didn't know it. And they all came into the net. And Jesus called Peter and said, come and have breakfast with me. This is the morning. He said, come and have breakfast with me. And we'll pick up the story in verse 15. He says, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? I'm going to read it in the Amplified. When they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? With reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, as one loves the Father? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, well, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Again, he said to him a sec the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, shepherd or tend my sheep. Verse 17. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he should ask him a third time, do you love me? And Peter said to, to the Lord, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. In that moment, Jesus made a, a way for restoration. Peter had no clue that he was about to be the chief note speaker at the day of Pentecost. No clue. He wasn't born again. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. No, he had gone to the cross. He hadn't, he hadn't risen, sorry. <laughs> he hadn't risen and ascended into heaven yet. The day of Pentecost hadn't come. But Jesus took the time to restore him, to bring him back to that place where Jesus wanted him. Notice I didn't say where Peter wanted to be. It's the place where Jesus wanted him. His rightful place where he was supposed to be with Jesus. Jesus makes a way, has made a way, at the cross for us to be restored to the place that he wants us to be in. He has made a way for us to repent and be restored just like Peter was. Just like Peter was. Even better, we live in the new covenant. The scriptures I read weren't the new covenant yet. They were almost there, right on the verge. He 
put Peter in the place where he wanted him to be. If God's speaking to you about something he wants you to do in your life, a purpose. Remember I've said in the past, pursuing God in a relationship with him only brings out, not only, but one of the major things that it does is it brings out that purpose that he has for your life. If you've got something in your life that you think, well, you know what, Lord, that I just basically just disqualifies me from being able to do what you put on your heart. I know what you put on my heart to do, what my purpose here to do is. But you know what, that, uh, I just, that's just too much, you know. I, I, that really just disqualifies me. I'm, I'm, I'm no good for you to be able to do, to do that through me anymore. That's really what Bethany and I were doing. You're holding on to your care. You're holding on to something that Jesus has already dealt with. We need to let that go to Jesus. Repent if you need to repent. If it's already been under the blood, but you kind of keep picking it up and washing it off and holding on to it again, you need to just throw it away. Remember, Galatians 5.1 says that Jesus set us free for liberty's sake. Actually, I'm going to turn there. It's Galatians 5.1. It's right before Ephesians. In the Amplified, it says, In this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast, then, and do not be hampered or held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery, which you have once put off. When did you once put that yoke of slavery off? The day that you gave your life to Christ. The day that you gave your life to Christ, you asked, you you renounced that old life. You renounced all those things that you're possibly thinking right now that, you know what, that just disqualifies me. The Bible says that he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. So think about that for a minute. I know I'm going a bit long, but this is important. Think about as far as the east is from the west. If you go east around the earth, you will never meet west, ever. You will only be going east all the way around the earth. You will never, ever, 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 ever meet west. If you go west around the earth, you will never, ever, 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 ever meet east, ever, ever. That's how far He's throwing those things of your past away. He doesn't even remember them. The only time that he remembers them is if you bring them up, clean them off, and say, look, God, I can't do it because of this. 
He doesn't see that. He sees a person washed by the blood of Jesus. That's only, he's made the way for us to step into his purpose for our lives. To step into that relationship, the fullness of that relationship. To get the fullness of what God has placed on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. He's done it all. And what do I always say? What's all in Greek? All. Nothing lacking. Nothing lacking. spend that time with you, Lord. You took care of our needs. Oh, I thank you, Lord. You made a way for your son to go to the cross so that we can live in freedom for eternity, Lord. You made a way. You made a way so that nothing that we have done in our past can hinder us going forward in you. Taking hold of that purpose and that desire that you put on our hearts to do in you, Lord, as that blossoms from our relationship growing with you, Lord, as we understand the fullness of what you put on the inside of us, Lord. Nothing can hinder that because you have made a way. And right now, Lord, we declare right now, Lord, that we will pursue you. have no care in this world, Lord. We only have real life which is hidden in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. That real life which you have given us, full of purpose, full of joy, full of, of <clears throat> satisfaction. that we are no longer held down by the bondage of our past, Lord, but we are free in you. Say this after me. I am, I am free, free in you, Lord. In you. I, am I am free, free in, you, Lord. in you, Lord. I am, I am free, free because you have made a way, made a way for, me for me to walk with you. I give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord, that I am free. Just praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name.
right? There's the edge. Don't let those things get in your way anymore. He's already taken care of them. Remember, the devil is a liar. The Bible says that he's the father of it, which means that he created it. So if you're hearing little voices speaking into your head saying, trying to tell you that, you know what, because of this, you, you can't do that that God's telling you to do, that means that the exact opposite is the truth. The exact opposite is the truth. So he's telling you that, you know what, you're not good enough for that job. Well, the exact opposite is the truth. You're more than qualified for that job. If he's telling you that, you know what, you're not, gonna, you're not good at school, the exact opposite is the truth. You are going to excel there. Speak the word of God. Speak the truth of God. It is more true than what the devil's trying to tell you. It's more true than the circumstances that you're facing. <laughs> and the devil has to run. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.